Jesus, uh, God, I, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for being so good to us, Lord, for loving us. God, for those in this room that, that know you, we will, we will never be the same. God, and I, and I thank you for that, Jesus, and I pray that your love would impact us so deeply that, that our lives would have to be different, Lord, that, that we, would, we wouldn't be able to live the way we lived before, Lord, because we know you and we know how great your love is, not just for us, but for everyone. So, God, would you, would you speak, Lord? There's a lot going on in my head, and uh, there's not enough time to say all of it, so I need you to show me what to say and, and what not to say, Lord. In your name, amen. Well, Matt, um, Matt said uh, we had our retreat last weekend. I was going to give a little report on that. He, he hit a lot of it, but um, it was just really great. For those of you who don't know, we, um, we were supposed to go like three or four weeks ago, and then Snowmageddon happened, so we couldn't leave. And uh, yeah, that was a really difficult decision for me to say, no, we're not going to go. And, and even though they had this future date coming up, which I didn't think they would have in the winter, normally this place is totally booked out. Uh, yeah, I was afraid we were going to lose a bunch of students and all that, and it was just incredible. We actually, I think we ended up taking 10 more than we originally had signed up. Um, four or five of those were guys that started coming the Wednesday after we were supposed to go, um, and, and, and those guys, I'm not sure if any of them know Jesus, um, but they're just incredibly receptive. Uh, like Matt said, like God just did a, a lot of great things, like, I think spoke um, in some really poignant ways to, I think, to all of us. Uh, our theme for the weekend was, was questions that Jesus asked, and we looked at three different questions. Um, uh, when, when Jesus said, do you want to be healed, to the, to the, the guy that was laying at the pool hoping to get healed. Um, and then, uh, why are you afraid? Uh, when he was on the, the boat with the disciples, the storm's going crazy, and Jesus is asleep. And then lastly, do you love me? And, and it, it just it opened up so much for our students. So I'd appreciate you continuing to pray um, for, for all of our students, that uh, whether they know Jesus or not. Um, we went to a place called Jonah Ministries, and I think that they're a perfect way to start this sermon on serving the Lord. Um, I would consider myself to be a decent servant. Um, like, I, I love... I just love helping people. I love like serving my wife, my kids. I love like even sometimes in here, like all the chairs will be all messed up and, and I'll have to like get them in order and like all of them. And, and at first I'm kind of, but then, you know, I get to do it. And I'm like, Oh God, this is good. Lord. Like this reminds me to, to just pray and, 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 and let my heart be fully here. And anyway, I love serving and I, I thought I was a really good servant. And then I went to Jonah ministries and I met those people. And I realized they are good servants. Um, the story of Jonah really quickly, and not Jonah of the Bible, but Jonah Ministries. Um, basically, there's this grandma who lives out in Trout Lake, Washington. Uh, she, she actually died, I think, a year ago. Um, 24 grandkids. And on her 20-acre uh, property, I don't know what she did there, farming of some sort, I would imagine, uh, she would have grandkids camp. And uh, all her grandkids would come out, and they would learn about Jesus and do all these fun things. And, and uh, she thought, man, more kids need this. More kids need a place to come and hear about Jesus, not just my grandkids. So uh, the, uh, the old schoolhouse, or schoolhouse, school building in Trout Lake went up for sale because they were building a brand new school. They'd outgrown the thing. And it's, it's super old. It's, it's fun. It kind of feels like Hoosiers, if you remember that movie, like just tiny little place. Uh, the gym, I'm sure, was really fun to watch basketball games in. Anyway, this grandma... She, uh, she went to her son and daughter-in-law and said, hey, let's sell everything we have and buy this place and start a camp. And that's what they did. They sold everything. The son and daughter-in-law sold their, their dairy farm. Grandma sold everything that she had. They bought this place. 
they didn't have money to like spruce it up right away. They were just trusting God. Like incredible, incredible people. Um, when, well, yeah, I have time for this. Um, so Jeff and Becky, who uh, Jeff's the son of Grandma Duke, uh, Jeff and Becky Duke, um, they, they sold everything, so they didn't have a place to live. So they built like in one of the old classrooms, like this is their new house, right? So, so they're living in this place for 12 years. They lived in this place, right? And um, the only showers in the whole place are, are the, the old locker room, right? There's a guy's locker room and a girl's locker room. So Jeff, you know, I don't know how old he is, 50, 60 maybe, uh, when there's a camp there for the weekend, he goes in that locker room just like a bunch of other kids are, right? And he, he said, you go in the shower, come out, and there's some middle schooler using his towel, you know, like, man, are you kidding me, Jeff? Like, this is what you're doing for 12 years. He lived this way. I just think, what sacrifice? So then, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know if they needed that room for something else, but then they went and lived in a little travel trailer for the next five years on the property, right? And this is Trout Lake. Like, it's freezing out there. Just a year ago, um, they got a house right next door, and I praise God for that. So awesome. But man, these people love to serve. We, we did our middle school camp there as well. Um, it was a little bit different because uh, our high school camp was just us. Our middle school camp, we were there with like eight other churches, and they have uh, uh, Camp Jonah had uh, a ton of staff there to help for that weekend, right? And, and there was some, something that happened Friday evening. I can't remember. We were doing something in the gym. There was a big mess, I mean, terrible mess. Just imagine a hundred and some middle schoolers, okay? Just mess all over the place, right? So I'm like trying to pick up. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to... I don't know, it just made sense. Like, there's a cup there, I'm going to pick it up, or there's like 30 cups there, I'm going to help pick them up. And, and they're like, no, 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 go be with your kids. Like, that's what you're here for. Go do that. We'll clean all this up. And that's just their heart all over the place. Like, these, these people just, they just serve. And it, why do they do it? Well, they do it because they want teens to know Jesus, right? They, they, uh, everything they do, they're, they're trying to point to Jesus. So uh, we're going to bring up our, our uh, main verse here, Mark 10, 45. Um, I love this verse. There's only like 10 verses in the Bible you memorize. This is in my top 10. Um, it says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And, and we'll get more into that later. But, but I, I think that Camp Jonah, their staff, Jeff and Becky Duke, they live this out. They live it out. They want people to know Jesus, right? So they are these huge servants. They're serving the Lord. They're serving people that are in the church. They're serving people outside of the church. And uh, one thing we need to get straight as a Christian, why, why do we serve? Well, we serve so that we can point people to Christ. Um, this next verse, 1 John 4.12. says, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another... God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us, right? When, when we love people, whether we're loving Christians or non-Christians, people should be able to see Jesus in us, right? They may not be able to, they may not be able to see God in, in a tangible way, but, but when we love, we are demonstrating Christ, right, to, to others. And, and one of the best stories I can think of, David Prolo is not here today, but about two years ago, David's dad died. And um, with, with that came, you know, just the aftermath of what you have to do when, when a parent dies, right? And, and there was cleaning up to do. There was, I think there was a storage unit, like, up in Port Townsend. And uh, it, was, it was a lot of work, a ton of work. And it was, I'm sure, overwhelming for David. David's the, the one sibling, like, in the area. All the others are across the country or even in, in other countries. Um, and it was so neat because several people in our community group 
Um, I don't know if David asked or if people just volunteered. I'm not sure how it went down. But, but a few guys went up with David for the weekend and cleared out these, uh, these storage units. I don't know how many it was, but it was a ton of work. I mean, they're making runs to the dump. They're sifting through, figuring out what do we bring back? What do we throw away? Huge, huge deal. And, and, and I, I look at that and I just think, wow, what a testimony to their brother, David. Right? Like, here's David grieving the loss of his dad, you know, maybe not too happy that he's cleaning up his dad's stuff. And yet here are two, three, four guys saying, we're here with you. We're going to love you through this, man. We're going to, we're going to serve you and do this dirty work with you. And, and that, that's one thing about serving that's so great, right? You don't need like some awesome resume. You didn't need to graduate high school or college or have a master's degree or, or you know, be skilled at this or that. Like anyone can serve. My little kids, can serve. We, any of us can serve, right? And, and, and we're all gifted in, in very different ways, potentially, but um, like after the service, these chairs get stacked every week, you know? It doesn't take much to put a chair on top of another chair. <laughs> it's really, really easy. Like as far as like things to do as a Christian, serving may be the easiest one in some ways. So back to David. So another really cool part of this was not, not only did, did these guys show David the love of Jesus by serving him for a weekend, serving his family. But Sarah's parents live up in Port Townsend, right? They don't know Jesus yet. Um, And they got to see these guys who all have kids, who all probably had other stuff to do, you know, whether it's fishing or a sports game or just hanging out with their own family. Sarah's parents got to see the body of Christ testifying to the love of Jesus, right? Living out, if you go back to that verse, Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. These guys, they didn't go up there to, to be served. They, they came to serve David. And it not only was it a testimony to David, but a huge testimony to Sarah's parents. And for two years now, I've just loved that story because it reminds me, like, yeah, this is, this is why we do that. Colossians 1.15 says, He, speaking of Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So Jesus, right, was this, this came down as a human, and, and, and it was the visible image of the invisible God, right? Demonstrated, like, this is who God is. And this is what we get to do, Christians, as we live our lives. We get to demonstrate, we get to point to Jesus by the ways that we live. And, and, and a huge part of that is how we serve one another. Man, if we don't serve each other well, like as brothers and sisters, why in the world would someone want to follow our Jesus? Why would someone want to worship the God that we claim is so good and so loving. So we need to do this incredibly well. By serving, we point to our serving Savior. We don't serve to make the world a better place, even though that does happen. Uh, we don't do good things because it's the right thing to do, although it totally is. We don't serve just to model service for our kids, although it, it does model service for our kids. We serve in order to show this world Jesus and in order to remind one another of who Jesus is. 1 Corinthians 10.31, another really good verse. Not, not that they're bad verses, but you know what I mean. Um, it says, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, and sorry, I don't have this one on the screen. Whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God, right? So whether you eat or drink, or vacation, or, or shop, or recreate, or study, or raise children, or do your taxes, or watch movies, or barbecue with friends, or I think you get the point. All of it we do to God's glory, right? Everything that we're doing, it's supposed to be uh, about the glory of God. 
Uh, for years, I had a test for, uh, for youth staff, because uh, sometimes people, maybe to you, youth staff isn't appealing because we stay up crazy late and all this stuff, but, but sometimes I, I would get people that, that I was pretty sure they just wanted to be on youth staff because they knew we were going to go paintballing or eat pizza or you know something like go rock climbing. So I had a little test for youth staff. Um, if it was near a retreat and, and they would talk to me, I'd say, yeah, come on the retreat. I want you to wash the dishes. Wash the dishes all weekend for us. Um, or uh, if we didn't have a retreat coming, I'd say, yeah, come every Wednesday. I, I need someone that can help set up chairs for me or, or whatever. And I, I wanted to watch them. I wanted to watch how they served because that was um, obviously assuming or knowing that they knew Jesus and everything I could tell in their life was, was, was um, attempting to follow Jesus. The next thing that really mattered to me is I want to know if they were ready to, to just get down and serve and do the dirty work, do the stuff that, you know, isn't, uh, it's not paintball, it's not running out in the woods, it's not going on a camp and, and doing these cool things. I, I wanted to see how people served, um, and, and I wanted to see if, if their service pointed to our Savior. Um, a really cool thing um, about serving is it, it knits your heart with what God's doing, right? So a couple of weeks ago, um, I showed up to Harvest Kids. Harvest Kids, if you don't know, it's something that um, we have on Sunday evenings, or afternoons, I guess, about 4.30 to 7. Um, and it's for elementary age kids. And these kids, each week, they're hearing about Jesus. And uh, we, you know, we have a staff, but sometimes staff can't make it. And I came one week and realized it was just like three people there, three adults with like 20 kids. And, and I, uh, I said, do you guys need help? And uh, I think Lisa tried to say no, and then Paul's like, yes, we do. <laughs> um, and, and anyway, so, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just doing whatever Lisa or, or Paul told me to do that night or Jen. Um, but it was great. I got to see what's happening each week, you know, and I'm so, I'm so grateful to you that you guys that work at Harvest Kids. Like, I'm so grateful that, that my kids are hearing about Jesus each week. Uh, and, and in really creative ways, like the, the ways they were interacting with Scripture, so cool. One, one fun little story. So I don't remember exactly the details, but Lisa was talking about Jesus, and this girl uh, raised her hand, and, and she's like, yeah, Jesus was able to do that, something, something along the lines of because he practiced it a lot, right? And Lisa said, no, he didn't have to practice. Like, he is God. Like, he's just that good. And her jaw, this is like probably a four-year-old, her jaw just drops, and she didn't say anything, but she's going, whoa, that's amazing. I didn't know Jesus was that good. Like, so cool. So, so for me, oh, and then later that night, that girl prayed, and I couldn't understand a word she said. It was awesome with her little speech impediment thing going. Um, but it was so great to, to see, like, oh, this is what God's doing, you know, here through, through this one little, one little ministry at Harvest. And when we serve, we get the opportunity to do that. I went to Haiti this last fall with, uh, with some people from, from uh, Harvest, and it was awesome. You know, I, I dug this ditch over and over again <laughs> around this perimeter for a, uh, for a little playground. And it was muddy, and, and the smell was disgusting at times. Uh, and the tools were not, were not good at all. Paul broke a shovel like 30 seconds into it because it was made of like, I don't know, junk. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. It wasn't wood. I think it technically was, but it didn't act like wood. Um, but man... It, it was awesome. It was so enjoyable to do this, you know, it wasn't skilled labor, <laughs> right? Yeah, I was the grunt there. Um, and I was digging this trench, man, and it knit my heart with those orphans and, and what God's doing there in Haiti. And when we, when we don't serve, we miss out so 
much. We miss out on what God's doing, and he wants to knit our hearts with, with what he is doing um, around us, whether it's in the church or outside of the church. Um, <clears throat> our lives are demonstrated uh, in pointing out Jesus. And Gary talked weeks ago about, um, you, you know, we can't just... Uh, we can't just live lives that demonstrate God. Like, we need to speak the gospel, right? And that is totally true. I'm not talking about that today because Gary's already covered that. I, I, uh, I had an interaction with a ministry several years ago to homeless people, and I think a lot of what they did was great. Um, but they didn't ever talk about Jesus. And at some point, someone I was with said, so what's up with that? And, and they had this little saying, something about, we believe that our our something like our good works will always be traced back to Jesus. And, and at first I'm like, yeah, that's cool. And the reason I thought that was cool was because it meant I didn't have to step out and share the gospel. It, that was, I, and I hate to critique them, but man, I think they were afraid, like me, to step out and be courageous and, and share the gospel. So anyway, Today, we're not talking about sharing the gospel verbally. Like Gary's already covered that. If you want to go back and listen, you can. But I, I felt like we, we have to say that. Um, so we serve Jesus, uh, or at least I could say I serve Jesus, out of his deep love for me, right? It, it, it overflows. It's not, it's not just because like, I'm obliged to or, or, or out of obedience, though it certainly is obedient. So um, let's compare this to uh, serving my wife. So my wife, at some point, I realized she likes it when the bed is made. Like, I think it even impacts her emotionally. Like, she is happier if the bed is made, right? I could go the rest of my life. I will never think, man, I wish I would have made the bed today, right? <laughs> I will never have that thought. But her, she loves it when the bed is made, right? So, so oftentimes, uh, she, she's a part-time teacher, so she'll be out of the house before me some days. And I'll, you know, I'll finish up, and I'm, I need to get to work. And I'm all stressed out about getting there on time. Even though I'm a pastor, there is no on time, except for, like, Sundays. Um, anyway, I'll be stressed out, and I'll run by the bed, and I go, ah, bed's not made. And, and I think, I, I don't have time. And, and then he hits me, yeah, I have three minutes. <laughs> I have three minutes to make the bed. And, and I do it not because I'm trying to manipulate my wife because I want something, not because I screwed up and, like, I'm begging for forgiveness. I have other ways to do that. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I, I do it because she really likes it. And, uh, and I, I love it when my wife feels loved. Right? Like, same thing. There's just a bunch of things I know about my wife that I'm like, oh man, this is what I do. I don't do it because, like, oh man, I'm married now. I got to do this. No, I do it out of an overflow for the love of my wife. So, um, let's get into our passage here. So, Mark 10 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So, we got to back up, though. This is a pretty funny story. And it starts in verse 35 of Mark chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, or I think it, it will be on the screen as well. So it says, And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him, being Jesus, and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. That is awesome. My kids want that too. <laughs> They want me to give them chocolate milk anytime I want. They want donuts. I, I love that Mark wrote it this way. Um, I don't know if they really totally said it like that, but that's hilarious. So I can just imagine Jesus here, what he's thinking, like, all right, bring it. So verse 36, and he said to them, what do you want, uh, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, so gracious of Jesus. Uh, and they said, grant us to sit 
one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory, right? So they, they believe, like, okay, Jesus is going to be the ruler. He's going to be the Messiah, right? And they're thinking in an earthly sense, and like, man, when this happens, we want to be at your right and your left. Like, we want to be your right hand and left hand man. Um, so uh, Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, right? And this is talking about Jesus' suffering and ultimately his death. Or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant. But it's for those uh, for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, right, the other disciples, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called to them and, and said, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, right? But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be the slave of all. And if you haven't figured this out yet, Jesus' kingdom is, is really upside down. It's, it's backwards from what we think, right? Jesus is saying, hey, you guys, you don't even know what, you, what you're saying. Like, my kingdom is, is not about power and authority. If you want to be great in my kingdom, you need to be a servant. That, that is greatness, right? And I don't know about you, um, and if there's anything in your life you want to be great at, like I've always, I've always had things where whether it's the first time I golf or the first time I do something, I hope like I'm just amazing at it, right? And it just happens to be my thing, and I haven't found that thing yet. Um, but there, there are some things like I want to, I mean, I want to be a great dad. I want to be a great husband. I, you know, there's 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 a handful of things in my life. Like, yeah, I would love it if if at the end of my life I could I could say or others could say about me, man, he was great at that. Well, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, it says you need to be a servant of all. In fact, you need to be, you need to be a slave of everyone. That's, that's greatness in God's kingdom. For even the Son of Man, this is verse 45 again, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If you don't know Jesus yet, this is the Jesus we're talking about, right? Like if anyone had a right to come down and be served, it was him. But he, he, he didn't want that, right? He didn't, he didn't come down saying, you need to serve me, though, though he, he, he could have, and it would have made total sense. He came down to be our servant, and, and it was such service that led to the laying down of his life. And, and um, that's where our service, that's the direction it needs to go. Like, it, it's, it's not just serving when it's convenient. It's not just serving when, yeah, I've, I've, got, the, I've got the extra three minutes to do that. Or, you know what, I, I, think I, uh, I think I have a little extra money in, in my bank account. I can help out with that. Or, yeah, I could give you 15 minutes of my time to do this or that. Now, serving the way Jesus served, ultimately, it's, it's, it's really sacrificial. And sometimes it's so sacrificial that, that it, it's painful. Um, but, man, we do it. We do it to, to, show, um, to show Jesus and, and how he is and uh, like I said, if, if you don't know Jesus yet, like this is the God that we're talking about. This is the God that would come down and give himself up for you. The God that, that, that still to this day serves you. Like it, it's crazy to think that Jesus is our advocate, right? First John chapter two, I think one, verse one or two, talks about Jesus being our advocate. He stands 
fighting for us on our behalf. Like he is our righteousness. It is through him. Like we are still being served through him um, this day. Um, let's, go, uh, let's go to 1 Peter 4.10. Um, <clears throat> I think it's on the screen there. So it says, uh, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So uh, two things from this. Like we've all received gifts. God has gifted each person. Um, everyone in here is gifted in, in certain ways that, that God has, has uh, blessed you with, right? Um, it, throughout scripture, there, there's, this, uh, there's this theme of you, you've been blessed in order to be a, be a blessing, right? So you're not just good at something so that you can make money at it or so you can get further in life or whatever. Like God's gifted you the ways he, he's gifted you, Christians, so that you can be a blessing to others. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But this word, um, it says, as faithful stewards, right? So the steward, um, this is a picture of like the house manager, okay? So this guy has no wealth of his own, but he is in charge of his master's wealth. So he distributes the wealth according to the master's will and direction, okay? It's the same with us. Like we've been gifted, and it's not because, you know, you're not good at programming computers because, like, you just figured out how to do it. No, God made you that way. Like, God, God gifted you that way. You're not good at whatever it is, landscaping or, uh, I don't know, whatever. Uh, good at encouraging people just for you. Like, God, God made you that way to use you to demonstrate his love um, towards others. So uh, how has God gifted you to serve? And I've got a list here. There's, there's way more than... Um, than I can uh, come up with or even share today. But um, both inside and outside the church, like how has God gifted you? Maybe you're good with kids. Perhaps you are uh, creative or artistic. Um, maybe you listen really, really well to people and people can just talk to you because you are such a good listener. Uh, maybe you're hospitable uh, or you're really good at encouraging people. Um, maybe you're a person that just somehow you know when something's off with someone. And you know what I mean? Like there, some people you can say, "Yeah, I'm fine," and some people believe you. But there's that one or two, one or two people in your life, and they're like, "No, you're not. You're lying to me." And you're a Christian. You're like, "Ah, crud. Yeah, I got to tell you, this is what's really going on." Um, Maybe you love doing behind-the-scenes stuff, like picking up the chairs, or you know, we have people that come in and and fold the bulletins every week. Maybe you're just really good at at inviting people to go do stuff, to go out to coffee, or or go for a walk. and we have people uh, in this church that, that just make meals for people, you know, when, when someone has a baby or surgery or just some tough thing happens in life. And we've got people just knocking down doors like, can I make a meal for you? Um, maybe you love holding babies so that moms can spend a couple minutes not rocking back and forth and hurting their back. Um, maybe you just exude joy or, or you're, you're really wise or you're handy um, maybe you have expertise in a certain area, I don't know, but, but you're gifted in some way, and, and, and you may or may not believe that. Um, for those of you who don't believe that, you don't know how you're gifted, one way to find out is you just have to go and start serving. Like one great thing about youth ministry, um, youth staff, I, I've always viewed it as like this Petri dish for 
for people to find out how God has gifted them to minister. And, and often what that means is like they figure out they're really good at something and there's a better place for them to be used. So, I, you know, I'm a part of like watching them grow in this. I get all excited and then they've got to go and, and, and go do it where, you know, maybe, maybe it's a better place for them. But, but it's great because I, I, I get to be a part of, of helping them figure out like, oh yeah, God has gifted me. Like, what do you know? Like, I'm a teacher, <laughs> you know, I can do this. Or, man, I'm really good at leading, like, a Bible study with, with people or whatever it is. And it, it's so fun for me to get to watch people do that. So if you don't know how you're gifted, I would encourage you to find a place to serve. Uh, and, and I'm not listing all the ways that you could serve at Harvest today. Like, if, if, if you really want to know, come and talk to me or Pastor Gary or one of the elders, and, and we'll find a place for you to come and help out. But if you're not serving, you, you, need, you really need to do that. Um, so, uh, there's a, uh, there's a church planter, I think in Australia, um, that, uh, that said something that, that just really stuck with me. And I think it, I think we can kind of twist it and mani- manipulate it for what we're talking about today. Um, they, uh, they try really hard to love their community really well. Like they didn't just want to be this church that's just about them, but they, they, they really wanted to go out and, and be a huge blessing to the, to the place that they were, the neighborhood that they were in. And, and he said so much so that their goal is that if they, if they ever moved for whatever reason as a church, that the community would just mourn them being gone, that they'd be so sad. Even if they never stepped foot in those doors, they'd be so sad that these people are no longer there because really they serve so well. And I think that's a great question for us to ask ourselves. In your workplace, in your neighborhood, here, like if you left, would, would people just be really, really sad? Because you, you, you left such an imprint through your service. I think of Joanne Blackford, right? Some of you may not know her. I think she's been gone probably about a year now. Joanne, if you didn't know her or don't know her, incredibly just joyful, I mean, I don't know if she's ever had a bad day in her life. Like, she's just so happy. Uh, like, I, I feel like I'm happy. I'd get happier just being around her because it just flowed out of her. And she's such a servant. Just loved people so well. Loved talking to people about Jesus. And when I found out she was leaving to California, even though I knew it was really good for her and her husband, um, I was so bummed out. You know, we should have made a deal with her. Like, Joanne, you can't leave until you find your replacement. Because her leaving has left a void here. Uh, there were a couple of years ago, uh, maybe two, three years ago, Brian and Debbie Schmaltz, for those of you who know, know them, Brian was, uh, he was asked to apply for this job in, in Washington, D.C. And um, Brian and Debbie had been uh, hosting our community group for years at that point. And the idea of them leaving was heart-wrenching. You know, I'd pray, I'm like, Lord, I don't want this. I don't care if he'd be really good there for those people. I want him to be really good here for us. Like he, they, Brian and Debbie are just, they're such great people. And, and the thought of them leaving would be horrible. So I ask you, like, man, would your neighborhood be bummed out? Would they be sad to see you go? Would they even know that you're gone? Your workplace, you know, here at Harvest, like, would people be sad to see you leave because, because you left such a, a great impression of our Lord Jesus by serving well. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, that Harvest actually does a, a really good job of serving. Um, you know, I, I, could, I could list all the ways I've seen people serve. I, 
Um, I don't have time to, um, but, but we have a lot of people that give so, so much. Like we have a group of guys called the, the Incredibles, if you don't know about them. And it's because like we just, something happens, something breaks here and we make a phone call and boop, they're here. And you'd, you'd swear that like they've got pagers and we're paying them to come. And uh, actually that light right there, just two weeks ago, it got broken on a Wednesday, right? And uh, believe it or not, they don't make those anymore. Um, but fortunately, we have two of them, or we had two. Now we're down to one spare. Anyway, uh, Ray came in, uh, and, and he said, hey, you've you got to call Bill Lovell. We've got to get that thing taken care of. And, and I'm, I'm the youth pastor. It happened on my watch. I'm going, oh, crap, okay. Hey, Bill. So we need help. You know, and I'm thinking maybe Bill can get here next week. You know, Bill's out here like the next, or that afternoon. He's like, can you be there at 1.30? I'm like, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I'm paid to be here. Why are you coming here that soon? And anyway, Bill's here and Bruce Wassel came out. It, people just come and give and serve. And, and it is it's such a, a blessing to be a part of, of a church like that. And I know people are serving outside of the building too, like serving in, in places where, where they're passionate. I didn't talk to Dave about this, but, but I know Dave, uh, he gives, you give like tours of, of like bats flying at night, right? Something like that. <laughs> Where's that at? Yeah, just off of 14 there, right? Apparently bats fly at night, and Dave knows about them. And, uh, and Dave gives tours, and, and what a cool thing. Like, it's something that somehow Dave got into that, and now he serves our community in that way. You know, and I don't know if Dave's ever going to have a chance to tell people about Jesus because of that. But, man, there's, there's at least a possibility now. People he would never, ever meet that, that are now going to meet Dave, and he's going to get to be next to them, and, and he's going to get to demonstrate Jesus to those people. And, and I, man, there are tons of people doing stuff. I don't even know what you're doing, but, but man, we were made to serve. So um, I'm going to tell you a quick story, and then we'll get the band up here. So uh, The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein, really, really good book. It's too long for me to, uh, to walk you through the whole thing, but let's bring up the slides here. So basics of the story. There's a tree, right? This is The Giving Tree. Uh, let's go to the next slide. <clears throat> All right, so uh, there's a tree, and there's a little boy, and they love each other, right? And the, the little boy, uh, I mean, as you can see, hugging the tree, the tree's hugging him, climbs a tree, plays in the leaves, like just loves this tree. Well, the boy grows up, and let's see what's next here. The boy grows up, oh, here's, he carved in there, me uh, in the heart, and, and T for tree, right? So he loves the tree. So keep going. So he gets older, and, uh, and he comes back, and the tree's excited. The tree hasn't seen him in a long time. And, uh, and, and the tree's like, oh, come play, come play. He's like, ah, I'm older now. Like, I want to go. I don't remember what he says. I want to go hang out with my friends, but I need money to do that. And the tree says, well, I don't have money, but you know what? I have apples. Take my apples. Go sell those apples, and then you can go hang out with your friends or whatever it is you want to do. So next slide. So the tree gets much older, and, and he, he asks, or the, the boy gets older and asks for all these different things, and this is way fast-forwarded, so I've got to catch up to here. So uh, the boy comes back another time. He's, he's maybe in his 20s, and he, he says, uh, boy, I, I, uh, I want to I build a, a, a house or a boat or something like that. And the tree's like, well, I don't have a house or a boat, but here, take my branches. And then, um, and then eventually the... the uh, the guy comes back here, and he, oh, no, this is when he says, I want a boat. And he says, well, I don't have a boat. He says, well, 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 take my trunk. Build a boat out of me, right? So next slide. So the guy goes off. He builds a boat. Um, you can go to the next one, Sarah. Uh, goes off, sails in his boat, comes back, and here's this old, old man, and the tree's excited to see him. And, uh, and the tree's like, man, I, I don't have any apples for you. I don't have branches. I, I don't even have my trunk anymore. And the old man says, I, I don't 
I don't need any of those things. I don't even have teeth anymore. Like, I can't eat apples. I can't, I can't sail. I just need a place to sit. I'm old and tired. And the, the tree trunk straightens up. And he says, well, you can sit here on me. And it ends, and it says that the tree's happy, and, and the boy is happy. And um, I love this story. I love it because it, it, it reminds me of Jesus. And uh, it, I think it's an urban legend. Um, I wish that it was true, but I'm not totally sure. But um, the urban legend I heard was that Shel Silverstein went back to his hometown. I don't remember where that was. I'm going to say New York. And he bumped into uh, to a, a childhood friend, and they started talking about God. And, um, and the guy asked Shel, you know, what do you think about Jesus? And Shel said, well, why don't you come back in a week, and I'll have an answer for you. Let me think about it. Comes back and uh, meets the guy, and he hands him this book, The Giving Tree this here. This is who I think Jesus is. I don't know if that's true, um, but it's really fun to read this story thinking about my Savior, thinking about giving and serving the way that Jesus did. And I can't help but think that I need to look more like a stump than this big, beautiful tree. So I'm going to pray. The band's going to come up here. We're going to close. Jesus, I, I thank you, Lord. I thank you that that I don't serve some distant God, but, but that I, I serve a Savior that loves me and that is near to me and that has given everything for me. And, and Jesus, I, uh, man, I want to look whole, a whole lot more like you and less and less like me. I thank you, Spirit, that, that you're doing that in us, Lord, that, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. God, I thank you for that truth. Jesus, will you help us to look at ourselves? Will you help us to, to see how you want us to serve, how you want us to love, God? In your name, amen.